0: This is episode number 33 with Marie Forleo of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human who is intent on learning. It's a really
1: fascinating fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. 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 Now, The Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Goat, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amoroso, Corporate, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast, the Founder Podcast.
0: Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know. and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello and welcome to the Founder Podcast. My name is Nathan Chan and I am your host coming to you live from Melbourne, Australia. Can you hear those birds chirping, guys? I'm I'm not sure if you can, but I certainly can. It's coming towards autumn here in Melbourne, and uh, yeah, the uh, animals are out to play. So (laughs) I hope you've all been having a great week. Uh, What's been happening in my world, a lot has been happening. Uh, We've got some massive interviews for you guys. We've got some big things happening with the magazine. I've just rolled out uh, our Instagram domination course, and that's, that's going great guns, and look I'm loving hearing from you all so nice and short things things are well with me things are happening looks like I'm going to be going to the states in some time in July Uh, I will be in touch make sure you get on our email list Uh, that's where all communication goes out but yeah I'd love to catch up with you all Uh, if you are in the states potentially we can have a meetup or something along those lines but yeah look hope all is well And I'm really excited to bring you today's guest, Marie Folio. Now, something that uh, Marie, like I always get these little pieces of golden nuggets from everyone that I interview. And the thing that I took away from Marie was, it's that when you believe in your product, your service, and what you're selling so much, you shouldn't feel ashamed to want to go and put that out and get it in front of as many people as you can. For some reason, for me, guys, for a long time, I felt a little bit like a fraud. And I felt that, you know, founder wasn't good enough for people. I, and I still put it out that I knew deep down that there was value. But at the same time, I felt, always felt bad pushing it to people or bad telling people to sign up. And, uh, yeah, that was a real sticking point for me. And uh, after speaking with Marie, uh, she's amazing. She's really, really insightful and she shares with us how she's built an eight-figure business with heart and how she's followed her heart and followed her gut and and uh, she's a marketing genius. So I think you're really going to love this episode and uh, if you are enjoying these episodes, please make sure you leave us a five-star review on iTunes and as always, I'm going to plug the magazine. If you are enjoying these interviews, you most likely will love Founder Magazine. That's uh, where we spend a lot of our time. So that's it from me, guys. Hope you're all having a great week. And now let's jump into the show. First of all, can you tell me uh, how did you get your job? Well, it was an
1: awesome adventure. It certainly wasn't a straight line. You know, when I got out of college, I worked on the floor of the New York Stock Exchange on Wall Street, and I was really excited because I'm a person who has a lot of natural energy. And in that environment, there's actually no seats. You can never sit down. You're on your feet all day. You're running around. It's a really dynamic environment. And of course, especially at that time, there was an opportunity from a financial sense you know, to become very successful. You know, when I was there uh, about six months and I was trying my best, but I realized That wasn't me. You know, I looked around at the folks that I worked with, and all of them looked forward to just two weeks a year, their vacation time. And inside, I kept hearing this little voice that was saying, You know what? You are not supposed to be here. This is not your path. You're meant to do something more. But the problem was the voice wasn't telling me what I was supposed to do, just that my current job wasn't it. So, I had to take a bit of a leap of faith, quit that job. I didn't have another one. And I really didn't have any direction besides the fact that I loved business. There was something really exciting to me about taking something and building it from nothing. And I also was very creative. You know, as a little girl, I drew and I painted and I often wanted, uh, I dreamed of myself as being an animator for Disney or perhaps a fashion designer. So I had this big creative side of me as well. And so those were my only two clues, and I went on an odyssey to figure out what I was supposed to do with my life. And the next best idea I had was to get involved in magazine publishing because I figured, wow, there's this whole commerce side, and actually there's a very creative side as well. And my foot in the door came with a magazine called Gourmet Magazine as part of Condé Nast. And gourmet is a food magazine. And I'm a girl who likes to eat. I'm Italian. So what was really awesome is that uh, my little assistant seat was next to the test kitchen. So while I was doing my work, snacks would often appear right at my desk, which made me very happy. But you know, within a few months I started having that same feeling again. You know, I was sensing this wasn't where I was supposed to be. And as I looked ahead at the publisher seat or some of the kind of high-up account executives, from a very logical perspective, I was like, you know what? I don't like what they're doing. I can't see myself doing that. So if I'm not aspiring to climb this particular corporate ladder, I'm wasting their time and mine. And that's when a little panic started to set in, Nathan, because I was like, wow, I had this great kind of dream job in Wall Street, and I quit that. Mm-hmm. Here I am working for a very successful magazine, and I'm quitting that too, And so I thought, well, maybe I've been too focused on business, you know, Wall Street and then the advertising side of a magazine. So I thought maybe I should shift back and get back to my creative roots. So I figured out how to get myself a job at a fashion magazine under Condé Nast called Mademoiselle. And I was in the fashion department and I was like, okay, this has got to be it. You know, it's like I'm going to fashion shows. I'm meeting with these incredible designers. There was a lot more creativity in that particular job. But I got to tell you, in just a few months, I started having that same sick feeling inside. I looked ahead at the editor in chief and I was like, gosh, I just can't see myself in that role. I don't think that's where I want to go. Now, at that time, the internet was just kind of you know, coming around. It was certainly a thing, but it's nothing like it is right now. And I was online probably when I shouldn't have been at work. And I stumbled across this article about a new profession at the time called life coaching. Now, let me set the scene, Nathan. I was 23 years old, so I saw this whole profession of life coaching. It sounded amazing. It opened my heart. It felt right, but my logical brain said, who the heck is going to hire a 23-year-old life coach? You haven't even lived half of your life already. <laughs> And so I was skeptical and cynical <laughs> about myself, but at the same time, my intuition was speaking louder than it had ever spoken before. And I said, you have to give this a go. So what I did was I signed up for a three-year coach training program through Coach University, and I started studying at night while I kept my magazine job during the day. Fast forward about six months, I got a call from the HR department at Condé Nast. Marie, We have a job offer for you at Vogue. It's a promotion. You're going to get your own department, like all this kind of cool stuff. And that was my fork in the road. That's when I realized I was like, okay, I've got six months of this coach training under my belt. I was really, really digging it. And then there's this opportunity to work at the best fashion magazine in the world. And I had to make a choice. And I was like, okay, am I going to stick with a steady paycheck? Or am I going to do this crazy weird thing that even I'm skeptical of, yet it feels really right? and start my own business. And so I quit my job and I decided to start my own life coaching business. And I, you know, had a bit of debt as many of us do. when you know, we come out of college and we're just starting our life. I didn't know how to start a business. I didn't know how to start a life coaching business. So I started bartending at night, waiting tables, doing personal assistant work, basically collecting a whole bunch of odd jobs in order to pay my rent and put food on the table while I lived in New York City so that I could spend the daytimes figuring out how to build a business. So what was interesting was that, you know again, this was about 23, 24 years old in that range. And I was so insecure about my young age that I used the internet to effectively mask how young I was. I never lied, but I went out and I had headshots done And they were black and white, and I put on my makeup in a certain way, and I had a particular haircut that I probably looked 10 to 15 years older than I actually was in that picture. And I did my best to create content and to put out newsletters that were as professional as I possibly could, and I started building a client base. And so many of my clients, because we coached over the phone, had no idea how young I was. They didn't ask, and I I didn't tell. So it was really interesting because it gave me an opportunity to start to understand how to market and sell effectively, how to connect with people emotionally, and how to really build something from the ground up, especially something, you know, a little esoteric at that time, like life coaching.
0: Wow. So you actually started and launched with the Marie Folio brand? when you first started out?
1: Well, it was my name, but I had, um, I think I called it the good life. There was a couple of different iterations. I think I might've started with my name. And then I, I had this idea. I was so incredibly stressed out, Nathan. I don't know if you can relate to this or any of your listeners can, but I was so struggling with what to call my business because I was trying to read all Mm. kinds of you know, magazines and business books and trying to understand entrepreneurship. And I would look at these companies, and it's like, wow, there's this brand, and it's kind of like a name, you know, like Apple or like Virgin. And it's, you know, it's it's a it's a separate kind of thing than someone's first and last name. And so I certainly struggled with that in the beginning. But I think the first iteration of my company was definitely Marie Forleo. Then I went away from it because I thought. Well, who's going to take me seriously? I should be bigger than that. And then, very quickly, I came back just me, because <laughs> that was the most, <laughs> that was the most authentic and real thing. And as a very creative person, I realized, oh my god, no matter what company name I pick, I'm actually going to get sick of it in a year or two. My name, I'm not going to get sick of.
0: Yeah, no, look, I, I totally feel you there. I, you know, in fact, uh, the magazine it wasn't actually called Founder; it was called uh, something else, Key to Success. But I had to change it. Because, uh, and I haven't ever spoke about this on, really over, over an interview, I actually got sued for trademark infringement, but it's, it's been a really, really big blessing. And no, I, I can f- totally relate around feeling like an imposter and, and wanting to feel bigger than you actually are and, and all that kind of stuff, but eventually you get over it, right?
1: Absolutely. And it was a great journey. But as my business started to kind of get a little bit of traction, and I mean tiny traction, meaning I had like, wow, paid coaching clients, which I was so grateful for and so excited about. One of the things that I then began struggling with was this idea that I had to focus down and become an expert in one thing. And one of the pieces of my coach training was around niching down as a coach. And I was like, well, wait a minute goodness, am I a productivity coach? Am I a spiritual coach? Am I a relationship coach? And every time I would try and choose one, it never, ever felt right. I was like, but I want to talk about everything. You know, what's wrong Mm. with me? And my logical mind understood the power of focusing down, but my body, my kind of inner knowing couldn't have any of it. And then even outside of that umbrella of coaching, here was my other struggle. I loved hip hop and dance. I loved fitness. I loved writing. I loved the study of spirituality. So not only was I struggling within my own coaching practice of you know not being able to choose one niche, but I was also struggling on a meta level because I didn't want to just be a coach. Every time I tried to do that, it felt like I was cutting off a limb. Somehow, it felt like I was hiding pieces of who I was that were very, very important to me and felt like they were talents or strengths that were underdeveloped that had all this potential, but I didn't seem to fit into any mold. You know, every time I would read a career book or a business advice book, the last thing they would tell you to do is to do everything. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was all mm. about focusing down. And it got to the point where it just became so painful for me. I said, you know what? Screw this. I cannot fit into any of these boxes. I'm never going to be this age again and have less responsibility, meaning, you know, I was renting, I didn't have a family, a dog, you know, no responsibilities that can sometimes come a little bit later in life. When it comes to hip hop and dance and fitness, I was like, you know, I am so passionate about this right now. And even in the dance world, honestly, Nathan, I was over the hill. You know, most people that get involved in dance they're doing it from a very young age, from like three years old or five years old or certainly 10 years old. And I've never taken a formal dance class in my life. So um, (laughs) I just finally said, screw it. I'm going to do it. And I gave myself permission to pursue dance and to start taking classes. I gave myself permission to do all the things I was actually interested in and stopped trying to label myself as one thing you know, so I'd go to cocktail parties and people would ask me, well, what do you do? And I'd say, well, what day of the week? (laughs) You know, because there's a lot of different things. And for the next four to five years, I had an amazing career in dance and fitness. I um, created four best best-selling dance videos. I taught hip hop all over the world. I was a Nike elite athlete and master trainer and developed programs with them. I was able to write a book for women about dating and relationships that's now actually in 13 languages, which I'm so proud of. But I really gave myself permission to do all the things I was interested in. And it was the best thing I could have ever done it inspired my coaching practice it gave me the ability to market and sell in different categories you know understanding how to fill dance workshops understanding how to sell an ebook that was completely based on relationships and you know for a market of women it was awesome. And then eventually I got to the point where I met my now fiance, we've been together for 12 years. He's an actor. We started getting to the point in our lives where, you know, he would, it was incredible. He would get these movie offers or something would happen. And he'd say, oh, come with me. And I was, I can't, I'm in New York. I got to teach five hip hop classes this week. I have, you know, three bartending gigs, you know, like there was so much that was landlocked for me that, It really um, was a moment where I said, you know what, I think I'm ready to focus down. I think I see a way to create a company that I can really believe in that blends all of my talents. And I just saw opportunities in the market that weren't being filled in the way that I wanted to see them filled. So I transitioned everything that I did. I think it was probably like 2007 or 2008. Like that was a big transition time for me. And it was the beginnings of my business today.
0: Wow. Wow. Okay, so there's a lot I'd like to unpack. First of all, I'm curious, during that period that you described where you were doing the dance videos and, and you, were, you wrote your book and, and all those kinds of things, were you still running that online business?
1: Yeah, I had a personal coaching practice where I would have, well, first of all, I started off having one-on-one clients, and then I started to experiment teaching group classes and having group coaching programs. So I was building a lot of what became the foundation of what I do today, but I was just highly motivated. I kept myself really organized. I'm sure you've heard that saying, you know, if you want to see something done, give it to a busy person. I was so incredibly busy that the times I wasn't bartending or choreographing or teaching a dance class, those times were carved out for my online business and my coaching business. So I had to get things done in a very short amount of time, which made me a really effective and efficient worker.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's why I asked that question because it's <laughs> you were doing an awful lot.
1: And that's, I think, you know, part of what my particular dna is and i'm sure a lot of entrepreneurs can relate to this you know without getting into labels or classifications sometimes my mind can feel like it's add ish meaning you know there's a lot of things i want to focus on there's a lot of different things i want to do so rather than fighting that tendency which i was trying to do in the beginning by narrowing myself down What worked for me, and it may not work for everyone, but what worked for me is actually having multiple things to focus on because I was learning so much. I'm a very physical person. So being able to teach dance and to be involved in fitness, it was like I was getting paid to work out and to be joyous and to train my body and to help other people do it. But when I wasn't doing that, it's like I was so primed and ready to write and create and having to perform, meaning if I didn't show up for work, I didn't get paid you know that's a motivating factor too because i had to pay rent and i had to eat you know no one was taking care of me so it was like i had to make it happen
0: yeah i see so from the sounds of things how long you've had an online business for over 7 years
1: oh well over that almost 15 years it's had evolution
0: wow
1: yeah but i've been online for a long time i mean i started my newsletter like i said once i quit the magazine world, one of the most crucial things, and I'm so grateful that Coach University, you know, one of the things that they emphasized was like, you have to have your own newsletter. You have to put out a newsletter and regular content, which I know for most people in this time, you're like, oh, of course. But, you know, back in 2001,
0: very novel. Hmm. Wow. So, well, you're you're a real veteran.
1: I am. I am. I am a real veteran, and it's exciting. I think it's so beautiful to watch how not only the online world has changed, but how online business has changed and how it continues to change. But you know, a lot of people sometimes, if they're not familiar with my work or who I am, and I'm really excited that we're doing this interview right now, they can say, oh, it looks like you came out of nowhere. I'm like, actually, I'm <laughs> quite a turtle. You know, I've been doing this for a long time, and I've had slow organic growth but once you kind of hit a certain critical mass and you start to have the blessing of a, a little bit of a bigger audience people somehow assume that it just happened or it's like no this has been a very long time in the making
0: hey guys i really hope you're feeling inspired from today's interview exclusive savings on startup tools and 24 7 real human support try founder plus today for just one dollar for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence you can visit founder.com forward slash founder plus trial or click the link in our show notes to claim your trial all right now let's jump back in the show Hmm. so from this experience what what can our audience learn from you certainly from I'm really curious around the branding piece you've you've created a seriously epic brand in the online world like uh one of my friends and he he's been doing online business for yeah probably around the same time as you his name's uh Yarrow Starak he you <laughs> might know him uh, mm-hmm. and and uh yeah he's just like yeah Marie Marie is the queen of of online business and like everyone knows you how, how what advice would you give to someone that wants to create an epic brand if you if you were to start all over again what what would you do to fast track where you are today
1: I think the consistency factor of whatever kind of core content that you want to put out, right? What Something that fits with your strengths. For me, I happen to love video. It's a a medium that I just adore. I was with my parents actually um, like a week and a half ago and they whipped out some old, which are now on DVDs. They were VHSs at the time, but it was stuff from like when I was like seven or eight years old. And it was me presenting on camera. I was like, oh, clearly I was meant to do this. (laughs) I've been doing this since I was a little girl. But my point is, is that when you want to have an online business or brand, you're going to have to communicate with your audience, right? And the way that that communication happens, you can do a podcast. Perhaps you love to write. Maybe photography and visual images is your thing. Maybe it's video. For most people these days, I think the thing that is challenging is they probably hear from most sources that you should do everything, that you should be ubiquitous and you should be everywhere. Mm. I think for 99% of people, that's very overwhelming, especially when you first start out. So if you can pick one channel... One way to get your message out that you can become really good and consistent at, and then let yourself build from there. That's what I would do if I was just starting out today to fast track myself. I would get that one channel again that you feel like you can dominate. And be really consistent. And really consistent doesn't mean every day necessarily, unless that's your passion and you feel like you can sustain that for a while. Not many people can. You know, I was just talking with a new friend of mine, a woman named Grace Bonnie, who runs probably one of the world's most popular lifestyle/slash design blogs called Design Sponge. I mean, her and her team update their blog like four to six times a day. And when I heard mm-hmm. that, Nathan. I wanted to pass out just hearing it. Like, I was like, oh my goodness, that would kill me. But again, for her DNA and for what they want, that's the perfect fit. So that's why my advice would be to figure out what's your perfect fit. You know, do you love talking to people? Do you love podcasts? Do you love writing? And and what can start to be a good, consistent schedule for you to put out high quality content that really matters to people? That is true to your voice, and that you can foresee yourself doing this for the next, you know, three to five years.
0: Mm, that's a, that's great advice. And there's one thing I'd like to touch on. There is you talk, uh, you mentioned high quality content. High quality content, content is king. You know, put out great content. That's something that gets thrown around a lot. I'd like to hear your interpretation on how someone can gauge on what they're putting out. There is good stuff.
1: Yes, great question. I love this question because high-quality content doesn't necessarily mean expensive at all. You know, oftentimes especially because my particular medium of choice is video, people say, "Well, I can't do a video like yours." I'm like, "Hey, did you mm. did you see my early videos? They're me looking into the webcam, no editing, <laughs> no lighting. It was just like ba 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 ba." I think high-quality content means a few things. One, well thought out, meaning there's a point to this article or this video that it's actionable, that you've thought through what you want your reader or your viewer to do, to take action on, to understand, to be able to walk away from that piece of content, whether you want them to be inspired, whether you want them to take a specific set of steps to achieve a certain end goal. I think it's understanding why someone is coming to your content and what you want them to take away and making sure that you're delivering on that. And that's probably one of the best kind of little inside tips. Whenever you're creating any piece of content to ask yourself, what do I want my reader or viewer to do after engaging with this? How do I want them to feel? How can I make this, whether it's inspiring, funny, useful, that they are almost compelled to share it. Like, oh my god, I just saw this, and, you know, sometimes with our videos, it's like, that was so ridiculous. She is so crazy. She just so made me laugh <laughs> and I have to send it to my mother because it, she's just silly. You know, and sometimes if you think about yourself, right? How do you consume content? What makes you want to share it? It's a, it's a really great way to think through how to produce high-quality content. And high-quality content, again, if it's written, it's just like, have you taken the time to really edit it? to make sure that your points are clear, that in the online world, it's easy to read. There's not just a bunch of text, right, slammed onto a page, that it's actually formatted well with headlines, subheadlines, enough white space so that it makes it elegant and beautiful to engage with and easy to actually consume. Have you made it easy for people to share Have you put a call to action? Have you told people exactly what you want from them next? These are some of the ingredients, I believe, to high quality content that have nothing to do with high production values and everything to do with the heart, soul, and thought that you inject into your creation.
0: Mm, This is great. I'm curious, what advice would you give to getting your content found? What advice would you give... To, to be heard and to, and to I guess, building your, your brand?
1: It's a great question, you know, and a lot of people have a lot of different opinions on this. There's many people who think, you know, well, I'm just going to buy traffic. And if people have cash to burn through and they're experienced <laughs> with understanding how to, you know, create advertising that converts and drives it, God bless, that was never me. I never had resources in order to do that. What I did and what I often recommend is to look for people who are already reaching and engaging with the audience that you would also like to reach and engage with. And you have to be creative and think about ways to partner with that person or add value to that person's life and their audience. So for example, you know, when I was first starting out, one of the books that, well, the book that I wrote was called Make Every Man Want You, How to Be So Irresistible You'll Barely Keep from Dating Yourself. Mm. And so I actively looked around and said, "Okay, who is reaching big audiences of women who would be interested in dating advice?" And I remember, you know, being here in New York City, I would try and find kind of other online sites where they were looking for perhaps some dating advice. You know, I worked at Crunch Gym, which is a Crunch here in Manhattan, and I, you know, would pitch to some of the managers like, "Oh, you know what? What if we do a class with stilettos and I can also talk about my book." You know, you want to look for ways to get in front of other people's audiences, not in a way that competes with them, but that complements what they're doing. So you build up The partner, and you also add value to their audience. You know, one of my dear friends and a marketing mentor, Evan Pagan, he had a a group of women for one of his products that was around dating as well. And he really liked my content. He's like, Oh, I should do an interview with you. I love what you wrote in this book. And, you know, you have to share that with my audience. So for me, I looked at every opportunity to add value to other people's audiences who already had the audience I was going after.
0: Yeah, no, that that's a great one. And what about around marketing and driving traffic? Besides partnering, do you have any other strategies, tactics, tips that you recommend, maybe from the psychology or mindset standpoint?
1: Yeah, well, I think from the psychology and mindset standpoint, you know, that's a lot about coming up with fantastic headlines, subheadlines, Hooks. So, for example, you know, high quality content isn't just about the actual article that you write or the video that you create or the podcast, you know, that you record and want to share. How do you title that though? How do you create? Whether it's bullet points or subheads that, as a consumer, as someone who actually engages with content, would make you wanna click. You know, it's kind of old school and it may seem cheesy, but if you kind of suspend your judgment for a moment, you'll see the brilliance in this. If you take a look at magazines when you're leaving the grocery store, you know, things like Cosmo, Glamour, you know, sometimes some of the tabloids, even if you're listening to the news and you start to pay attention to how they hook you to listen for the next segment or how they get you to pick up that magazine and buy it as an impulse purchase because there's some headline like, you know, and again, this is going to sound really cheesy and it might sound a little old school, but it's about understanding the psychology underneath it. You know, it, whether it's, um, you know, there's um, seven never before heard of secrets to, you know, reducing your grocery bill and it's all organic. You know, so anyone who's interested in eating healthfully is like, oh my God, you know that organic food can be kind of pricey and if you're like, I love organic food and I would love to save money I, I kind of need to listen to that or I need to click on that. I think that when you're first starting out you have to really pay attention to those headlines and subheadlines because let's face it, you can create the most amazing piece of content but if your headline sucks, your email subject line sucks or you don't know how to write a good update, you know the copy whether it's on Twitter or Facebook or Insta that gets people interested, you've lost.
0: Yeah. And I, I I definitely feel that with your book. It's such a great name. Like even me as a guy, I'm thinking, well, what's this all about?
1: Right. And it's just about curiosity. And I know a lot of people can have resistance to that because they say, oh, that's so manipulative or, oh, that feels so cheesy. But I always counter with, look, we human beings have brains. Our brains actually love Curiosity. We love when there's kind of an unfinished sentence or a question or something that piques our desire to know or to fill in that thought loop, right? To solve that problem, like make every man want you. Wait a minute. That's kind of bold. It's a little Mm. sassy. I don't know if I believe it. What's in this thing? And all of a sudden, you're like wanting to engage with a piece of content. That's a beautiful thing. And I also say this, Nathan. Most of us, right? And I hope everyone listening to this interview, We don't go into business just to make money. We go into business to make a difference. We want to change people's lives. We want to create positive ripples in this world. And when you have a product or service that you actually believe in, that you know with your heart of hearts does actually help people, it is your responsibility to do whatever you can do to get people to engage with it. So there's nothing slimy or manipulative about it. It's like, hey, you've got something awesome. You got to get people to pay attention because like it or not, our world is filled with noise and static. And if you don't Mm -hmm. train yourself on how to get people's interested. Sometimes that's using humor. Sometimes it's using curiosity. You have to be clever because otherwise you're going to have all this great knowledge or these great products and services, and you're going to be crying in the corner because no one pays attention to you. Well, it's not their fault because it's not their responsibility to come find you. It's your responsibility to get out in front of them and be creative enough to get them to pay attention.
0: Yeah, no, that That was awesome. Okay, look, we have to work towards wrapping up. There's a few more things I'd, I'd love to talk to you about. One when was you mentioned Eben Pagan. He's, uh, he's one of my favorite marketers. I, I listen to all of his stuff. I'm curious, can you tell me what has been the biggest game changers or one of the biggest game changer things that you've learned from him that you would, would like to pass on?
1: First of all, I love Evan so much. He, uh, just to give him some props, when I was first starting out, the way that Evan and I met was actually do you know who Dean Jackson is? Yeah. Okay. So Dean Jackson was teaching a class that was um, within my coach training about how to use eBooks as a marketing tool for your coaching practice. And I was so into that class and I had done all my homework and I submitted it to Dean. And that's where the idea for Make Every Man Want You came from. And Dean said, you have to meet my friend, Evan. He is writing a book called Double Your Dating for Men. You guys should totally talk. And so Evan and I became friends over the internet and he was so generous and kind to me. He had more experience than I did and he was a bit more, you know, down the journey and he so took me under his wing and just wanted to share marketing ideas with me and I'm so grateful for that. So to answer your question, I think one of the most important things that I've learned from Evan is just the value and the importance of smart marketing. Like, you know, there's so many things that we as business Owners need to pay attention to, obviously. There's hiring, you know, there's um, kind of the legal things, you know, there's the accounting, there's all these different things that we need to rightfully understand. But what Evan really drove home for me and made clear was how vital marketing was to everything else. And he really kind of opened my eyes to all these different ways to do it. And um, I just love him for that, because he's been a friend for years. And I just continue to, you know, give him virtual high fives. And we love to catch up and see how each other are doing. But I think the importance of marketing is what really came through from Evan.
0: Okay. And when it comes to successful entrepreneurs, you know, you're, you're absolutely killing it right now. What I know you have many other friends that are extremely successful. What are two characteristics that you see?
1: You know, they might be a little kind of unorthodox. One is a trait of really listening to your own wisdom, despite what everybody else says that you should do. I think one of the kind of You know, sand traps that we have to look out for as entrepreneurs, especially as you're in the online space. You know, there's so many people telling you what you should do, how you should grow, all the different platforms you should be on, and you your head almost starts to spin. And one of the things that I try and stress, and I try and do this best of my ability, is to teach people how to make great decisions for themselves. Because no matter what every other expert is saying, no matter what the industry is saying, no matter where everything is going, all of us have. The wisest teacher inside that, even though a deal might look good on paper, even though everybody else is quote unquote doing this and killing it, if it doesn't feel right for you for whatever reason, you've got to listen to that. And there are so many times that the people that I see that are really successful, that's what they're able to do. They're able to listen to their own instincts outside of the noise and they're able to go in a different direction and not self doubt when they do. So that's one thing. The second thing is that they're the money is not the bottom line. The people that I see that are the most successful, of course, it's a business. Of course, you have to be profitable. We're not taking away from that. However, there's something deeper that drives them. There is this strong burning desire to make a difference, to create something high quality, to really take care of people. There's this fire underneath them that goes beyond the profits. It's not like they ignore the profits, but it's something deeper that drives them. And everybody else who's purely chasing the money, they crash
0: and burn. Yeah, no, I can definitely feel that.
1: Well, they make moves and they'll make decisions that are usually based on short-term gains rather than the long-term health of their business or their reputation. And that will catch up to you. You know, one of the things that we do in our business, Nathan, is I was actually meeting with a, a friend today who runs his business is you know, over hundred million, incredible entrepreneurs, been at the game a long time. He said to me, he's like, you know what, Marie? He's like, I love how much money you turn away is like all the time. You know, one of the things we don't really do affiliate promotions. We don't mail out for anything. You know, our, our whole model is if I believe in something and I love something, I want to put someone on Marie TV so that they can share about what they're up to. They can teach us something. And then if people really love it, you know, go find them, go work with them, go buy their I mean, book, go do whatever it is. And I don't need a, you know, it's not like, does that make sense? Yeah, and- you care absolutely. And I want my audience to make wise decisions on their own. And when, and if we do promote someone and I am a proud affiliate, it's like the first thing I say, it's like, here's what it is. I am an affiliate. I love this. And here's why. So that we're completely transparent to the best of our ability so that people know why I'm recommending something. And there's never a question or a doubt about my intentions.
0: Mm. So what did you have to give up to to get where you are today. Can you tell us about some sacrifices that you've had to make?
1: Oh, sure. I mean, especially in the beginning, Nathan, I missed out on so many kind of big life events from my friends, like weddings, bachelorette parties, birthday parties. You know, there were a lot of personal things that pained me to say no to. But for the first couple of years, I worked. Nonstop. I'm grateful that I had the energy, but I would literally work seven days a week because that's just what was required. You know what I mean? For me to make everything happen. I, I didn't I, I couldn't do anything else. And I was also very ambitious. I knew where I wanted to go. So there were a lot of times that I missed out on things that, you know what? I'll never be able to get that time back. But the truth of the matter is, I did my best to stay in touch with the people that mattered the most. I explained to them honestly what was happening and I have to say like the my friends I've had ever since college they totally get me and new friends that I've built up along the way totally understand and you know it's less now than it was then but even still sometimes there's times when you know you have to make hard choices about what's most important but in the beginning for me there was a lot of personal sacrifice and it was a lot of time with family and friends.
0: Mm. Yeah no look I'm really getting getting the feeling that You've just hustled so hard and you've just wanted it that bad and you've just made it work and and then here we are.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, it certainly <laughs> wasn't easy and I it did not happen fast for me. I would not change anything in the world, but yeah, it was I spent some time crying and I spent some time questioning myself, you know, like wow, what am I doing uh-huh. all this for? But I had this deep feeling in my heart that I was doing the right thing. And I knew if I could reach kind of a certain level where I was able to support myself and start creating a team, you know, completely online and have a digital virtual company that I would be able to make the kind of impact in the world that I knew I was born to make. And I'm very happy, knock on wood, that that has come around. And, you know, in more recent years, I'm able to take more time off, you know, I'm able to get to those things now. And while they're having kids now, instead of getting married, I'm able to like participate more, which feels really great.
0: Mm. I'm really curious. Two last questions. One, can you give us an insight into your, into your team? How, how many of, of you are there? Yeah,
1: that's actually a great question because we have just hired a bunch of new people and I don't even know the exact number, which for me, that's insane because (laughs) I'm so hands on, but my team has been kicking butt and like taking care of business behind the scenes while I'm focused on other things. But there's about... 10 of us now. And there's some folks that have um, come on board we're so grateful for that are going to be seasonal because B-School is a really beautiful, ever-growing kind of its own entity and universe and our commitment, we strive for outstanding customer service. And so at that time, you know, there's a lot more volume than other points in the year. So we have new kind of seasonal folks coming on and we're getting them trained up, but that's kind of how it looks. And we are still a digital company. So, you know, we have a studio now here in New York. It's the first time, like, you know, I grew this business. Yeah. It's, we don't hardly work out of there. That's where we shoot Marine TV. But that didn't exist again for like such a long time, Nathan. It's like the most growth happened before that came. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh wow, I see. And uh, oh geez, I I'm really curious now. Like, uh, what 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 is your number one tool to collaborate and keep in touch with that team and, and manage?
1: Google Docs. We love the Google Docs, and that's. I mean, we're on email and GChat and Google Docs a lot it's our primary tool and then we'll use other tools like if, if you don't know about this or perhaps any of your readers don't know about this it's a really cool app called envision which is oh, great yeah check it out envision app what it's awesome for is when you're pulling together new website designs or mobile designs or anything like that and you're collaborating visually because people can throw up you know some wireframes and some you know some static images and it's so easy to comment on visual projects, it's fantastic. So I would highly recommend that if anyone's working on a lot of visual things for your online business. But Google Docs is like killer. I mean it's so simple and you can access it anywhere and it really helps. We still use Basecamp from time to time, but a little bit less. But uh yeah.
0: Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. So last question. What can listeners take away from your online marketing skills, your entrepreneurial skills, your life skills like You know, you're absolutely killing it. And uh, I feel really blessed to be speaking with you. Can you give us three actionable items?
1: Three actionable items, absolutely. So, the first and the most important is to lead with your heart. Our logical minds are great rational minds are great but i believe our hearts are the strongest and wisest parts of us whether it's related to your business or you're related to your personal life i've learned this lesson lead with your heart the next actionable item is to really give yourself some time off i know in the beginning you know i happily admitted how hard i worked and how how hard i pushed it which was necessary but you know depending on what stage of your life you're at and what's happening with the rest of your your outside of business family kids so vital to carve out, even if it's a little quality time that is not connected, there's no iPhone, there's no internet, there's nothing pulling at your attention. That's super duper vital. And number three, if you don't have this already in your business and baked in, to challenge yourself, to find a way to make your business about more than just financial profits. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to cut checks to charity. doesn't mean that you necessarily have to give away products or services. But for me, what's really exciting is to help give birth to a new crop of entrepreneurs worldwide who are committed to more than just what they can get, but who are really focused on what they can give. That can look like how you treat your team, your company culture, the vendors that you choose to use, what you stand for, your values, what you want to shine a light on, you know, if there's any social issues or local issues that you want to take your spotlight and shine it on. I think it's really, really important for all of us to dig deep and to get clear on what we stand for and to use our businesses as a vehicle for change beyond the products and services that we sell.
0: Wow. That was awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Absolutely. Well, yeah, look, you've been amazing, maria. you've uh, we've we've gone all sorts of ways, we've touched over so many different things, and we've you've provided a lot of gold, so thank you so much, and uh, yeah, i'm I'm just blown away, so thank you.
1: Thank you very much for having me on. It was an honour.
0: Hey, guys, I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content